RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Valor Hour episode 99. Man, we are almost to 100. That's awesome. I'm your host, uh, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, as always. Tonight, we have got a recap of the night that was Valor 54 this past Saturday night, the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Great night of action. We're going to recap all that, uh, as well as talk to some uh, folks that's going to be competing um, in the Valor 55 event, which is next weekend. We're going to talk a little bit later to Trevor Peak, Joseph Long, and also talk to uh, Bellator fighter uh, Brandon McMahon, who's going to be competing this weekend um, on the Bellator 214 card. And we'll also go over uh, the UFC uh, on ESPN debut and uh, do a little bit of Bellator picks. I got Jeff Hobbs on the line with me, and I got Greg Hopkins on the line. We're going to recap this Valor card. How you guys doing, Greg? Uh, you, you did you had your first taste of the commentary booth at Valor Fifty Four. Overall, what did you think? I think I had a good time. Actually, it was really fun. It wasn't at all what I was expecting it to be. Uh, but we had a, we really did have a good time. I, I, mean, I had a, it's better than what I expected, is what I'm saying. There's a lot more to it than what you what you expect, huh? Yeah, there is. There's a whole lot more behind the scenes. A whole lot more going on. It's different from it's different from. I mean, there's a lot going on when you're fighting, but you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on when you know you're doing that right there. You don't have an angry. You don't have an angry Ohioan in your ear when you're fighting. That's true. <laughs> Jeff, man, we made it through. Jeff Hobbs and I, we busted some ass this weekend at Valor 54. It's a big venue at the Coliseum. A lot of, a lot of ground to traverse, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when we're at the Coliseum, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the big show. And so, uh, you know, had me there in Knoxville three days this time. And so I was definitely thankful for uh, uh, MLK Day on Monday. So I was able to get back home to Nashville and, and still have – uh, a two-day uh, two-day weekend vacation before heading back to work. So the uh, the Valor hangover wasn't as bad uh, this go around with the uh, with the holiday uh, you know squeezed in there. That certainly helps. I know, Justin. You uh, you, you judged uh, once again this uh, this past uh, Saturday night. I only had a few go to the scorecards. Overall impressions. Man, it was an easy night for me. I had uh, good company. Got to watch some good fights. There at the end, some big knockouts. It was all all around a good night. So let's talk about it, man. We had uh, we had a big night of fights. Of course, we lost our YouTube fight we were supposed to have. Uh, we talked about that last week. Andy Worski still made uh, an appearance, however, uh, in the cage and uh, addressed addressed his legions. He had a lot of people there, man. But uh, you know, onto the fights that actually happened. And our, our first little flight, we had a couple of amateur fights. Silas Reynolds moved to three and zero. Got a nice arm bar uh, on Jordan Dodd. Jordan Dodd never tapped. Uh, it was announced as an impending armbar. It was really, really close. Jimmy Neely probably uh, saved us, uh, saved us all some some pain there. Uh, but props to Jordan Dodd for, for stepping up on short notice. 
and uh, and you know he uh, uh, he still made a good showing of himself while the fight was standing. I thought Silas Reynolds, congratulations, moved to three and zero. Great fight between Dylan D'Angelo and Andrew Sturdivant as well on the amateur uh, portion. Uh, I thought Andrew Sturdivant won the first round, was really doing uh, well in the scrambles and the striking, but ultimately uh, you play around on the ground long enough with a guy as crafty as D'Angelo and you get caught, and D'Angelo got his back, got a rear naked choke. Uh, there uh, about 40 seconds into the second round. Uh, Hobbs, uh, your thoughts overall on these two amateur uh, fights? Any, anything stick out? Any, you know, either of these guys ready to, to move up into title contention? Uh, you know, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, these two fights are going on uh, for me. You know, what I do there with Valor, uh, I, I'm not even in my seat yet for these. <laughs> um, you know, there's still fires getting put out at this point, and before I can really settle down, um, I always do like to. I, I did stop and, of course, pay attention uh, to Silas Reynolds. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shield Systems, so I, I had a little something invested as, as far as wanting to see the outcome of that fight. Um, so I'm always, you know, uh, intrigued about the product that they put out. So I was, uh, I did stop and watch that one a little bit, but as far as where these guys, you know, would fall into any kind of future title contentions, you know, I, I think it's still early, it's still real early for them. Um, so I, I think we're still a little bit off, uh, for either one of these guys, uh, before they step up like that. Greg, what'd you think, man? You called both of these fights. You're familiar with these guys. Started up from down in your area. You fought Jordan Dodd. Uh, what'd you think? These these guys give a good showing to get the crowd warmed up. Yeah, I think the Reynolds and Dodd fight was really entertaining and uh, a hard shot. Uh, Jordan Dodd can take a punch for <laughs> like twenty. He just kept coming. And yeah, I didn't. It didn't look like he tapped to me either. And he probably was not gonna tap and. Jordan Dodd's tough. He probably kept fighting with a broken arm, like seriously. And uh, but congratulations to Silas uh, Reynolds and um, the D'Angelo and started uh, starting a fight. Yeah, I think Andrew won the first round too, uh, but I think that he ran out of gas because people got to understand that uh, wrestling they're they're short there's there you don't there's a reason why they're so short you got you know in high school it's either three one two 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 or two one one rounds they're real short rounds and when you fight and you're in a fist fight you can you have to watch out for punches and you're on the ground wrestling that hard for three minutes straight it takes it out of you so it kind of looked like andrew really really got ready for the stand-up aspect and didn't train enough on the ground not not saying his ground game isn't good, just saying that he didn't train enough and he just gassed out and he was stuck out in the desert with no tank left. So he was out there and he ended up losing. Yeah, of course, you were uh, judging these two, Justin. Uh, neither one of them needed your services. Uh, either of these guys, uh, the winners, make a, make an impression? Yeah, man, I love Dylan D'Angelo. He's been around forever and uh, kind of been out of, the, out of the cage for a few years, I think, and it was nice seeing him come back and get a win. He fights through adversity you know as good as anybody um he, he lost the first round and um uh, you know but it was apparent at the end of the first round that uh Sturdivant wasn't going to make it to the second um it is silas at uh 55 2 
Uh, Silas is a 45er. Honestly, all these guys are 45ers. You know, the D'Angelo took this fight against uh, Sturdivant, who's typically a 45er. Uh, and D'Angelo has fought most of his fights at 45. But he, he took, you know, we, we, we added these amateurs on kind of at the last minute with about a month ago. And so him coming off the couch, essentially, uh, he needed a 55 fight. But 45 is where all these guys are going to land up. It puts a guy like Ava Mai or someone like that, I would think, is would be the hurdle in front of him, you know, for like a title. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad to see them fight each other. Mm, I I could agree. That would be a really good uh, contender fight. I think that could be uh, that could be that could be a really good uh, solid you know uh, club show type fight. I think up on the card. Uh, moving on to the pro portion, there was a lot of pro fights here. We'll knock out the, uh, the, this first little uh, segment first. Uh, it had a lot of guys kind of looking to, to, to rebound, to kind of get back on the winning track, if you will. Uh, we had James Adcock uh, get his record back to 50-50. He moved to 3-3 three and three now with a first-round submission. Uh, guillotine choke on Brandon Grimmett. Grimmett uh, managed to get a takedown there early, uh, but got, got stuck in there and uh, – Ultimately had the tap. Uh, we got an armbar submission in only about 33 seconds from Chris Wolf, who moves to two and one over Billy Combs, who falls to zero and two. Uh, and then Chase Winder makes a successful pro debut. He, he's now one and zero as a professional. Fights about three weight classes above where he where he ideally would be, and submits Roy Sanders about three and a half minutes in uh, to the uh, to the first round. Uh, case of course uh, out of KMAA as was uh, Chris Wolf and James Adcock uh, gentlemen your thoughts on these first three fights uh, you know all three guys from KMAA getting getting wins uh, you know early in their career uh, it would be interesting to see what happens when they when they step up the competition a little bit uh, Greg your thoughts anybody stand out and this uh, trio here that they all got uh, first round wins I enjoyed watching uh, James Adcock take advantage of those deep shots on Grimmett. It was uh, I was waiting for him to smash the guillotine, and he finally got. It. And he won, then went to Chris Wolf and Billy Combs, and uh, that one started out as uh, they were going to throw some haymakers, and then I, well, I said in the last podcast that you know if he can get Billy Combs on the ground, it could be over with, and he did. So. Oh, the Chase Winder fight was uh, that was uh, I was excited to Chase Winder that night. That was pretty cool. He did. He fought up. You could tell that he was a huge difference in, in reach and everything. Weight class. It was. I enjoyed watching Chase Winder. Justin Watson, your thoughts? Uh, yes, three more guys that have you know been around the area for a long time, but um, just kind of really started to get a run in the pros. Um, you know, Chris made pretty quick work of uh, Billy. I mean, they were all pretty quick fights, I guess. Uh, Chase had the longest fight, um, but one of the more dominant ones. Um, all, all three of them look great, though. Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, um, you know, no real surprises on these three. You know, when you look back at our, our pre-fight picks, um, uh, Adcock and, and Wolf definitely went uh, the way I had anticipated. Uh, like the other two guys, I was, uh, you know, with that Winder fight, you know, that incredible side difference, you know, just in stature, you know, the the, uh, the height, knowing that Chase was up a few weight pounds, if not, you know, or a couple, if not a few, and um, just the size disadvantage there. So I was kind of surprised with that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, of note, the uh, Winder submission by Americana won the, uh, the evening's uh, submission of the night award. So, um, 
So there's just something of move there. Yeah, I think uh, it sets up a potential fight, I think, with Roy Sanders and Billy Combs here probably coming up next. And uh, one of those guys is due for a win. It'd be interesting to see which one can kind of snatch that, you know. Uh, both guys need it. Uh, moving on, we had uh, David Robbins moving on to 2-0 with a really nice place body shot uh, to uh, Deshaun Middleton, who uh, drops his pro debut. Uh, good, good little fight while it lasted. It was only about a minute, but it was good action. Uh, Middleton tagged uh, Robbins with some pretty pretty good uh, shots. Uh, kept him off balance a little bit with that karate style. And then Robbins, once he kind of found that range, uh, like I said, nailed just a, a picture-perfect body shot, drops Middleton. That's all she wrote, uh, and then of course we had our uh, we had our our own uh, uh, KMA loss of the night. Carmen Malegros uh, falls to an arm bar in about two, almost two and a half minutes into the first round to uh, the Batgirl, who we spoke to on the Valor Hour just a couple of weeks ago. Tabitha Watkins moved to three and zero and is uh, calling Invicta out, saying, "Hey, you know my teammate uh, Alicia Zapatelli, she she's in an Invicta. I've earned my shot. Uh, now moving to three and zero, really impressive." win uh, on the road, first time fighting out of Michigan. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on uh, these two? Um, well, Robbins, uh, I mean, you know he's deadly. Uh, you're kind of just kind of sitting back and, and waiting for it to see when he's going to pull the trigger, and um, you know, that's usually the result when he does. Um, you know, you expect that when he's in a tie fight. Um so, you know, it kind of blows my mind when these guys get in there uh, in an in MMA bout and decide they're going to feel them out for a while or, or keep it standing. Uh, you know, the smart money is on uh, trying to uh, get in close, take them to the ground, and at least take them out of that, um, you know, whatever you want, that, that, <laughs> that gun range, uh, you know, uh, for those kicks. So, uh, surprised that, uh, you know, that his opponent let him uh, stay on the outside and kind of, behind his um find a shot so that was a little surprising um obviously we ended that fight with a uh, uh a little call out of um one of our other valor fighters uh charlie alexander so uh somewhere down the road that could be uh setting up a nice fight for valor uh you know definitely a, a main event type fight on a valor show in the future so it was a intriguing little uh spot there yeah, certainly um, something I'm I'd, I'd be excited to see. Uh, you know, a C four versus Ruthless Robbins uh, down the road. Something that uh, definitely would uh, float my boat. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on? Uh, well, I didn't get your uh, thoughts on the on the female fight, Jeff. Uh, surprised there. Well, that, uh, yeah, the female fight. Uh, yeah, you know, as we talked again in the pre-fight show, uh, and it just so happened, like I said, um, you know, I had a little knowledge or background from this uh, team from from Michigan just through my. Uh, XFC days, and uh, I knew that uh, these girls were going to come in tough. So, you know, just like we talked uh, last week, you know, they didn't drive all this way, uh, you know, to roll over for somebody. So I, I knew they were going to be tough. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily surprised with the uh, the Watkins fight. Um, um, so I mean, they did good. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know a lot about. The uh, KMAA girl, so I didn't have a lot to go off of there. But uh, you know, like I said, I knew Watkins was going to be tough, so uh, that one really didn't surprise me. 
Greg Hopkins, your thoughts? Uh, you you know you trained some with David Robbins. Uh, so you you got to see firsthand. Uh, you know the the pain he put on Middleton there. Thoughts on that as well as our uh, first female fight of the night. Uh, well, the Tabitha Watkins, uh, the uh, the two the two young ladies, they were uh, they were both little Monty Mouses in there. Both of them were exploding, and uh, it was a great it was a great grapple for a little while. But that but that, I actually enjoyed watching those little little ladies go at it. They're just pretty fierce little. I mean, they're mean. But then uh, beforehand, the David Robbins and Deshaun Middleton fight. Actually, uh, I brought up the uh, last time they were scheduled to fight that Muay Thai fight and it didn't happen uh i used to like uh, if i was ever working out in cleveland and uh, i don't know if david had mentioned this in any podcast and i know he probably made a post on facebook about it uh i uh i wrote i made like a little letter that was like written horribly and uh it was, but it was just basically talking so much shit about David Robbins, and I signed it D. Middleton at the end. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember exactly what I said in the letter, and uh, and I let it go for a couple of days, and I wanted to watch everybody talk some shit on Facebook and just 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 draw something out of it. And I, I ended up calling David one day, and I was like, "Man, did you... <laughs> oh man," he was like, "Was that you?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Man." He was. I was just thinking. Is this him ever just like us over here? Is he just? Is he just cracking up and laughing about everything and having a great time and just loving life? I was like, I don't know if he's feeling like that right now. Yeah. I mean, the uh, way it, it was hilarious. And then, but uh, like, like I said though, David Robbins, he does a lot of mitt work, so he has some really precision shots, and he's going to hit you where he wants to, when he wants to, if you leave your hands down. And uh, Sean Milton walks up to David after the fight. I could hear him talking, and he says, uh, what did he say? He said something. He goes, you know, Sean, he congratulated him, and he just said something. He goes, he goes what are you going to do tonight? And Sean said, I don't know, man. He goes, after that, after you, after you whooped my ass, I just kind of want to get a, I want to get faded a little bit, fucked up or something. And uh, David said, well, where are we going? <laughs> 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 they, I don't know. I just love, I love how these fighters are with each other. It is, you know, and yeah, all not class act. Everybody, so much respect on both sides, uh, red and blue everywhere. As far as I know, we, you know, we didn't have any problems having anybody. Yeah, well, you should have been should have been on my side of the cage then. Wait, wait, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that back background. Somebody said, yeah, you got to watch out for. Uh, uh, for Hobbs, he's a, he's kind of a hothead or something. I was like, what are they talking about? I missed out on that. I don't know what happened there. Oh no, no, it was it was one of our coaches from uh, uh, the main event that was on my side of the cage. That uh, was a very unhappy camper at the end, and uh, we'll we'll get to that at the end. But yeah, he was yeah. Um, he, he was showing his ass. That's for sure. Well, I'm I'm ignorant of that. I don't know. I don't know about that. Other than that, it was a great show. I had a great time. Moving on, of course, uh, we had uh, a couple more bouts. Uh, we had flyweight. I'm sorry, this is actually bantamweight action. Dre Miley moves to four and two. He takes out the late replacement Marquise Johnson with a first round choke, only about 36 seconds in. Uh, I believe he got him with a guillotine uh, and keeps on trucking four and two now. And then, of course, uh, another quick one, man. 14 seconds in, Keith Olsen lands a big shot, drops Tim Boyle, and uh, man, that was all she wrote. I don't know, Tim. I think I saw him post. He never saw it coming. And Tim's very durable. You know, he's a he's a tough guy. 
fought a lot of really, really tough guys. And so uh, really probably wouldn't have pegged a Keith Olsen knockout in 14 seconds. That's for sure. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, I was, I'm with you on that. I, I thought that was going to be, uh, you know, a lot, a lot tougher fight. Um, Tim's dropped a few, you know, he's, he's kind of getting up there a little bit. I don't know if maybe, you know, you just can't take a shot like he used to, but um, Keith looked great. Uh, Dre also, you know, keeps keeps chugging along another another fast finish yeah no doubt jeff your thoughts on uh, on these two uh always happy to see dre miley get a win um uh he's a good kid I, i've never had an experience with him where i you know didn't walk away um happier for for stopping to talk to him uh so it was good to see him uh get a win and you can tell his relationship with his coach is uh you know kind of special uh so it was definitely a Glad to see both of them rejoicing in his victory. I'm like you with the uh, Keith Olsen. I, I had to text that one out immediately as it happened because just, you know, you think this is going to be a good grinding fight. Uh, Keith will get him on the ground, uh, find a slick way to submit him, and it'd be the end of the day. Uh, I would have I would have bet my check on it. I, I You know, that it, there wouldn't have been a, a Keith Olsen knockout especially in 14 seconds. So that was a very surprising, uh, pleasantly surprising uh, way to watch him end a fight. Um, I know that, um, you know, he's, he's definitely, he was, he was needing to get out of that uh, 500 area uh, to get back rolling again. And that was a great way to do it. And when you get a win like that, uh, not only is the win great, but uh, you don't have to take any time off, you know, 14 seconds, uh, with that kind of win, you can go ahead and, and if you want to, immediately start looking at that next fight um, and keep that momentum going without having to take any time off to, uh, you know, to heal any wounds or, or just, you know, the normal wear and tear on your body from a battle. No, you're 100% right about that. Greg Hopkins, your thoughts? I enjoyed watching Dre Miley fight. Uh, I watched him fight, you know, like at the uh, at Cotton Eye Joe's last week, and I didn't realize that he only had one eye. Is, it, is that is that like, I mean, is, he, is that do you, do you have any idea how he how he ended up with one eye? It was uh, I, I want to say it was a car accident as a, as a youth. Um, you know, I, I believe all, ever since he's been competing, he's 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 had that that situation. Uh, so it's not something that's happened like since he's been competing. As long as I can remember, even back when he was as, as an amateur in like you know 2010. 2011 uh, that was his situation so I think it happened to him as a youth and, and I want to say it was a car wreck I was just wondering but I was just I just how much of a disadvantage does he feel like he has having only one eye to see out of I mean I watched him in the fight and, the, and if, if the guy was circling one way you know he reacted differently as if he were circling his right obvious foot but I was just I was just, I don't know I thought that was pretty uh, pretty moving you know but uh, uh, hats off to Dre Molly and uh Marquise Johnson, that was a pretty good little bout they had for 36 seconds. It wasn't too long, but it was exciting for what it was. And their stare down at the weigh-ins was exciting, too. Uh, but uh, that's over with. And then uh, Keith Olsen and Tim Boy, yeah, I thought that was going to go a little bit longer. And uh, on the podcast, I said that, uh, you know, Tim Boyle is from there, fighting out of my hometown and everything. So I kind of was favoring him on, you know, at heart. But on paper, I was going with Olsen. Um and it went. It didn't. I didn't. I think it was going to go that way. I think we're going to see that thing. But uh, I'm just wondering where Tim's going to go from here. I mean, we, you know, Olsen comes to two and one. He's got a winning record now. But uh, Tim Boyle fell to one and five. And uh, I mean, he's no slouch. He's no 
his record doesn't show who he is and that fight isn't who he is. I'm just wondering where he goes from here. Yeah, that's that's a good question, man. And, and you're right. You know, his, he's definitely better than his record. He's fought some tough guys. He's uh, He got a very, very close split decision loss to Jason Wolf, a guy that, you know, um, that we that we'll talk about a little bit later as well. So I mean, you know, I, yeah, it's a good question, man. I it's, I really am not sure. I I think a, a five maybe versus a versus an Alex Riggs or uh, maybe something along the lines of uh, of uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe even uh, uh, Chris Wolf. Yeah, I think they fought as amateurs, uh, and I want to say he might have beat Chris as an amateur. So it may be interesting as pros. Uh, moving on, females. We uh, we this one was was really one of the hard ones to call for me because I could have seen it going one uh, several different ways. But Taylor Turner, uh, wife of Eric Turner, picks up uh, her second pro win. She moves to two and five with a first round TKO, ground and pound victory of Ashley. Straight up samples who calls to over three. I think a lot of people. Uh, Thought that there was a good chance the samples could overwhelm Taylor with her striking, but uh, you know she came out gunning hard. Taylor got the takedown though, moved to the top position and mount, and uh, and just laid into her for a long time. Actually, very durable and resilient. Took it for a long time, and uh, finally they they saw enough. They called it off. Congrats to Taylor. Moving the two and five, getting that second pro win. I know that she's been uh, you know looking for that for a good long time, and uh, so it's really good to see her 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 earn that win. Uh, and then, of course, we had our only pro tie fight of the night. It was Demir Bogovic and Nicholas Martino. It was a great fight, back and forth. Some really good shots landed. Both guys uh, were feeling that the next day. I'm positive it was the Bosnian barn cat, Demir Bogovic, uh, getting the unanimous decision win, uh, though, at the end of the day. And uh, he it, that was his first ever tie fight. So he's 1 0 now as a pro tie fighter. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we got a unanimous decision win for Christina Ricker, who picks up her first pro win, and now has already got the Popperman victory. She signed us on uh, to fight with him next month. Uh, she beats Haley Turner, who is very game. Um, that was a close fight, man. That was actually have gone either way, but it was uh, Ricker that gets the win unanimously. Uh, your thoughts, Greg? Uh, the, uh, Ashley Samples and Taylor Turner fight was exciting for, you know, for the almost whole round we got to watch it but yeah he was a uh, just raining shot down on her just the whole time and i, I was wondering when they were going to stop that fight and uh, ashley samples still wasn't giving up but uh that went in and then we the uh the muay thai fight oh man these guys they beat the living hell out of each other straight up just the whole time all like you know three three minute rounds was it and it just kept going they didn't neither one of them wanted to quit lots of shots and I probably enjoyed that. Which what was fight of the night? Do we know yet? I, mean, I, I know we know. Say, but I, I didn't. I want to say fight of the night was the the female fight coming up here. Olivia Parker and Jennifer Morgan. Okay. It was. Well, but that one certainly had an argument for it. It was really good. Oh, it was, well, I was going to talk about the next one with Haley Turner and uh, Christina Ricker. Also, that one. That one stood out to me more than anyone throughout the night. Hell, if you didn't know who either one of these girls going into it, you were going for one or the other in the middle of the fight. You were pulling for one or the other. Like, I mean, even if you weren't from Knoxville, if you were from Knoxville, but uh, there was just that one that one particular moment. You know, I was commentating over there, and uh, Ricker was on top of uh, Haley Turner, and I uh, I made a, re- a, re- a wrestling reference as with uh, as if you know she there's nothing she can do from here. I mean, she she needs to just. And make, you know, make an advancement. She really not can't do nothing from here. If she was wrestling, she could pin her. You know, and then all of a sudden, 
like snapping finger, she just laced her arm and turned her into a crucifix. And then that was probably the moment I became a Christina Ricker fan. And I was like, <sighs> wow, that was awesome. And then, uh, I think it was like 40 something seconds. And man, I think it was in the second round. Haley Turner just turned the tide on Ricker and started hammering down. Just, I'm, I don't know how they ended up in the position they were in because that whole fight was just so quick. But it was so long too. It was just a blur and it happened so quick. And I was like, that was, that was entertaining. That was one of the most entertaining fights of the night to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that, I don't know. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, yeah, I enjoyed the Muay Thai and the, and the, and the, uh, Ricker Turner fight the most of the night. Jeff that was Ox. actually the first two fights that, that was, those are the first two fights that went, probably went past the first, that was the first time we saw a third round was the Muay Thai fight. It is. Uh, we ended up getting three, it ended up being, we got three decisions in a row. Yeah. That was awesome little slate right there. I enjoyed that. All right, Jeff Hobbs, your thoughts? Yeah, the uh, Taylor Turner uh, samples fight, I mean, I agree that was, uh, I mean, hands down, we all got to say that uh, when you look from the card top to bottom, uh, the Parker Morgan, uh, you know, the Ricker fight and the, and the Turner samples fight, uh, the women may have arguably stole the whole show uh, as a collective group. Um, Taylor Turner was my, was my definite kind of uh, sleeper pick on our uh, picks panel. Um, uh, that was the one where I knew I might give a pull away from the other guys. I just felt that, you know, there was just so much emotion for her riding into it. You know, um, you know, there's, there's no secret, you know, that the Turner family has, has made that investment in valor. Um, you know, it's a big show husband in the corner. And, and like you said, she's been searching for the second win for so long. And, and, and grinding, trying to find it, and she found it and uh, was definitely happy for her. Uh, again, just kind of seeing that emotion on her after it was over, uh, even more so uh, kind of intensified your feelings about the, the fight. Uh, yeah, the Demir fight uh, with Martino, that was just a straight out. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, those guys just threw bombs at each other. Um and, you know, you put a little extra padding in that glove, uh, you, you know, you lessen, you may lessen the chance of a knockout, but man, do you heighten the, uh, just the brutality of it. And, uh, and you see two guys just dig down deep and just, just swing for the fences and nail each other. That was an awesome fight. Uh, I know when, you know, the panel was sitting down to pick fight of the night, uh, that was going to be a hard one to ignore, and and it got a lot of votes for fight of the night. Um, I mean, to tell you the guy's honest truth, had had Demir stayed in the building, it may have gotten it, um, but uh, he had to get out of there quick. And uh, you know, we were definitely I think rewarding some of the uh, rewarding, the, rewarding the fighters that stuck around for the whole show and were going to be there to participate had a little bit to do with it, but. Um, that was that was a great fight. I enjoyed it so much, um, and I agree uh, with the uh, the analysis of, of Ricker and and Turner uh, uh, that one of the other gentlemen had. I mean, again, could have stolen fight of the night easily. It wouldn't have been a, a steal, really. Could have just earned it because uh, it was exciting. Definitely uh, happy for uh, for Christina Ricker, and uh, I mean, it goes to show these other fighters and especially these other females. Um, you do good on a Valor show, 
people are watching. People are waiting to hear how you did on a Valor show. And what it took her 48 hours, if that long, uh, after the conclusion of the, uh, the evening to, uh, to get that short notice. And it's really not short notice. I saw the date today. We're, we're still mid-February, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, not crazy short, but, but get that call. Um, so now she's going to get the opportunity to go, uh, go put her face on national TV on, on fight pass, uh, hell not national worldwide on fight pass and, um, and show the world what she can do. It's a great opportunity for her. So should be, uh, should be a lesson to everybody, you know, when Tim Loy calls and offers you a spot, you know, you might want to seriously think about it because people watch the product that we put out. Could have said it better myself, brother. <laughs> Moving on to what was a selected fight of the night. It was it was grueling. Uh, it was a lightweight females. Olivia Parker makes her long-awaited pro debut. Wins that debut over a very tough, very game. Jennifer Morgan, who really brought it. Uh, Olivia Parker, a storied amateur uh, career. This was Morgan's first MMA fight. She had an extensive um, uh, Muay Thai background as a, as an amateur but uh you know as far as mma goes it was her first time but she you could you know she was fit she was ready and uh you know parker had some great positions but you know morgan survived them every time i was i was just like man this is about over she would survive and she would get up and you know and so she, she really you know olivia didn't leave there without knowing she'd been in without a doubt the toughest fight of her life she pulls it out though, and uh, congratulations! Now she's one and zero as a professional. Love to see Jennifer Morgan back in there as well, and I believe she'll be dropping to one forty-five. Uh, we saw a, uh, a Chris Ocon pick up a uh, another body shot uh, TKO. Uh, it was late; it was about four minutes into the first round. He gets the win over Tyler Nichol Edwards, um, and then also we saw the upset. We saw uh, a Harry Humsucker come in, knock off Big, Big Sexy about fifty seconds into the first round with a knockout. Uh, Clips big sexy. He goes down, and uh, and Harry pounces on him, takes advantage of the opportunity. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on uh, this trio? Oh man, uh, Parker Morgan. Like we said before, uh, the females brought it on this one. Um, what what? You know, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm one of the ones that voted for this one for fight of the night. Um, all you got to do is look at both fighters' faces in this one uh, when this thing was over to know that it was uh, give and take. Um, you know, had you just uh, stood them up side by side after the fight and asked somebody who wasn't there who won, uh, you know, I'm going to say Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Morgan, Jen Morgan would probably gotten a lot of votes uh, just based on uh, the physical appearance after they left. Uh, Olivia Parker uh, looked like she had, you know, been through the ringer there. Um, I, it was, they were on my side of the cage there in the first round. And, and I know by listening to the ref as close as I was, it was moments from getting stopped. And this almost got stopped in the first round. Um, I mean, he was leaning in before that 10 second clicker, but, but Morgan did just enough, uh, to keep squirming and stay busy, uh, to get the ref to go ahead and hold off. On and man, I'm glad he did because it turned out kind of being one of those Valor female fight classics. Um, so you know, props to uh, Olivia Parker, uh, but I think Jen Morgan uh, is one of those cliche things where you you gain a lot of respect in a loss. Uh, I don't think anybody locally in Knoxville 
really gave her a chance because they didn't know her, and uh, and and she had no MMA background, not even, you know, uh, she was granted a pro license based on just her Thai experience and her combat. Uh, experience in, in that discipline, but she has no MMA amateur background to, to fall back on. So uh, I, I definitely think she earned a lot of people's respect in, in that fight. Uh, what remains to be seen now is after that first one, is is she going to be uh, uh, ready? You know, ready or wanting to uh, to get back in there? Uh, I'll be interested to see that. Um, Chris O'Con, this was uh, my pre-fight uh, fight of the night pick. Um, I thought this one was going to be a little more exciting. If I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't a good fight. Uh, it was real surgical on Ocon's part. He was, uh, uh, I kept thinking, man, he is waiting too long. He's, he's, um, you know, he's acting like he's got all the time in the world. He's just kind of sitting back. Uh, I definitely would have scored it in Edwards favor up until the point where it ended. Um, I think he could have doubled up on the shots a lot more instead of just one uh, one punch at a time. No real combinations there, but it was working for him. He was tagging him. He was getting in. He was getting out. Um, but, you know, in the end, you could see what Ocon was doing, obviously, by the result of it, uh, being surgical, waiting for a spot. Um, it was a beautiful body shot. It was beautiful. Um, I'm a big fan of the body shot knockout. I don't know why. Um but just that, that shot to the gut. Um, correct me if I'm wrong the other, with the other guys. It wasn't. It was not a liver shot, was it? It wasn't on that side of the body. It was on the other side, wasn't it? So it was just more I like a rib shot. So it? yeah, I want to say. I want to say it was on the other side of the body. Yeah, um, Swanson. You know, I didn't. I don't know if I would have called it up. You know, necessarily an upset. Um, uh, it was an upset in our eyes, just as far as being Billy Swanson fans. And uh, but you know, Hunsucker had you know the more experience. Uh, we saw he was a much bigger guy. Um, just didn't see it ending that way, and definitely didn't see it ending in that way in that fashion. Um, you know, it was one of the kind of those fights. If if you know Billy Swanson and you've been around him long enough, you only really have to be around him once or twice to consider him, you know, a, a friend or a good guy. So it kind of hurts your heart, you know, when it ends that way. Uh, more so just because you know what it means to him, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he, he took it, he took it rough, I think that night. Um, but I was, you know, happy to see him kind of be able to sit back the next day on social media, kind of not necessarily laugh at himself because I know he does not think it's funny whatsoever, but, uh, take it for what it's worth and, and let his fans know he'll be back in, uh, as quick as he can, um, so um, I think it was definitely a downer for the large number of Billy Swanson fans that were there. But um, he'll be back. There's a lot of other fights that uh, can be made for Billy Swanson. Um, I don't know what kind of relationship Valor has with Hunsucker, if he's going to come back. Uh, if there's anything that, uh, Tim, you're wanting to do with him later. But, I mean, he's got a future. Um you know, with the company, I think if uh, if we give, you know, if your stable of heavyweights is deep enough that you can get them some fights, uh, um, seem like a really nice guy. So, you know, congratulations to him. Yeah, I may be in the next uh, in the in the hopper for old Chandler Cole. Nice, nice. You know, definitely. Uh, Greg, uh, quickly, we're so we're running behind a little bit. Uh, Bri- uh, your thoughts on uh, this trio? Well, uh, I thought there were three winners in the. Uh, the unanimous decision with Olivia Parker and Jennifer Morgan. You had one, the one winner, 
of course, Olivia Parker for winning the fight. Uh, the second winner of the fight was uh, Jennifer Morgan because I'm sure she gained so much knowledge just from this fight alone because she didn't fight just a regular, you know, opponent. She fought Olivia Parker. And then the third big winner was, was Jimmy Neely for not stopping that fight at the end of the first round, which he could have and didn't. I think I, I even said it during the uh, during the broadcast. That, uh, I was like, hats off to Jimmy Neely for not stopping that fight and letting us continue watching this this bout. Uh, Chris Ocon, Tyler Edwards. Uh, Chris Ocon was real calm and collective, and patience prevailed for him throughout the whole the whole duration of the fight. He he, he just he picked and poked. He came in when he, he came in and he hit, and then he backed out. He backed out, and uh, by the time. By the time he was firing off on Edwards, Edwards was was sweating real bad, and he was like he was going. Edwards was going for the kill. That's you know not not the way Edwards was following up. But he was trying to knock him out and throwing throwing everything he had in almost every shot. And when his stamina wore down, Chris came in and just cracked him in the body. Uh, the Harry Hunsaker Billy Swanson fight that was of a. I feel like there was a lot more emotion involved in that fight than the fight itself, and not not necessarily towards the. Uh, Towards the uh, two participants in the fight, they just one and the other one both have like you know Harry had a lot of emotional things going on in his personal life, and Billy Swanson that was a huge day for him. I'm not going to get into their own personal lives, but there's a lot going on for both of these guys, and uh, it was a big win for Billy because you know he gets to come back to the drawing boards at the early start of his professional career, and it's a big win for Harry Hunsucker because uh, that. To me, that was a big upset. I, I don't care. I'm not being biased here. Billy Swanson is a buddy of mine, but uh, he's also ranked. Was you know ranked top, one of the top dudes in the nation. And and when you get, and you know, just you saw him walking during the fight, and they were doing the fill out process, and that's what Billy was doing. Billy was trying to fill him out, and you could tell that is exactly what Billy was doing. And it in the moment that Billy had dropped his hands just to walk forward, Harry threw a straight and just cracked him, and. From that moment on, when you get hit by a big guy like that, and then you get a big guy on top of you like that, you might as well just, uh, you know, let it go. Because, I mean, Billy was rocked when he hit the ground, but then those were some powerful shots coming from Harry Hunsucker on top. That, that, he was he was impressive that night. And that one knockout of the night, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think that had yeah. one knockout of the night. Of course, our co-main event probably would have had knockout of the night uh, had it been had they not given it up before. Jason King with a big uh, walk-off head kick knockout over Jason Wolf. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, moves to seven and four and uh, really uh, brought the crowd to their feet. Uh, and then, of course, in the main event, Shannon Young, the Shannon, moves to five and one with a uh, third round submission to strikes over a very tough Justin Borga. I think that she ended up having uh, her, her jaw was broken after that. And she she still fought through that so showed a lot of heart uh just Borga did uh shanna young though yeah and she is uh she's really rising through the ranks five five and one uh one of the top prospects in the nation i would have to imagine she's going to get that call pretty soon uh jeff your thoughts on these uh final two all right before i get to these final two you know i'm always playing matchmaker i'm just wondering whether it's 55 or 45 if uh you know an olivia parker uh, fight might get uh, maybe we can get Amy Coleman off the uh, out of the training um, uh, out, of, out of being a coach maybe back in as a fighter maybe I don't know um, could be a big type fight for that area um, let's see Jason King man that was uh, from my standpoint that was uh, the, the the hand was up so I don't know how much it was I mean that was a powerful kick because his hand was up 
So either quite a bit of his foot came around the hand towards the back of the head, or that was just so much straight power that it knocked him out through his hand. Because uh, we kept uh, we kept going back to Facebook, and it was we were able to be kind of rewinded as soon as something happened and, and rewatch it. We went back and forth on that uh, Jason King kick, and I mean. Uh, Wolf's, Wolf's hand was definitely up and in between the foot and the head. You know, so all I can guess is, you know, enough of the toes and the, the top part of the foot went around the hand and more so got the back of the head. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, either way, it was brutal. Uh, almost to the point of scary there for a second. And Shannon Young, um, you know, it's kind of what I expected. I uh, didn't know a lot about Borga, but you just kind of know this is, this is Shannon Young's, um, uh, you know, moment right now. She's in the zone right now. You know, I agree with you. She's close, whether it's getting another shot with Invicta or just a straight uh, a shot into the UFC just because they're always looking to build, and especially that we know Shannon can make 125, and they're trying to uh, trying to get uh, girls that aren't necessarily coming up in weight or going down in weight. They want some true 125ers that want to be in that uh, weight class and stay in that weight class. So I wouldn't be surprised if she gets that call soon. Um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, the Borga coaching situation. Uh, I've never been that comfortable sitting next to a corner in my life. Uh, some of the things coming out of her coach's mouth during the fight, you know, against um, against Valor, against Leonard, uh, directed towards the the state of Tennessee, the the athletic commission, uh, our fighter. Uh, it, it was enough to make me uncomfortable enough to where I just got up and walked off and left because oh, wow. uh, I didn't want to. Do, I didn't want to listen to it anymore. But I'm also professional enough not to say anything back. Um, uh, Mr. Neely, on the other hand, had had enough, and he said everything I wanted to say to them. Uh, so, you know, props to him for standing up for the the state, the the commission, the fighter, and the promotion. Uh, I guess that's about all I'll say about it. <laughs> Greg, uh, you were there up close and personal for that knockout. Uh, talk about that a little bit, and uh, then your thoughts on the main event uh, quickly here, and then we'll get on to our, uh, our first interview. Uh, that was an excellent knockout from Jason King. I don't think uh, Jason Wolf really got a chance to, like, you know, close the distance and get to Jason because Jason was firing some straight shots the whole time. But uh, he just waited and watched for him to drop his hand, and as soon as he did, he kept timing it and was fainting, fainting, fainting. Jason just stood there and kept his head in the same spot. And uh, Jason just teed off on it one time and cracked. Uh, knocked him out. And uh, class act Jason King is, man. He really is. He's a classy person. Um cares a lot about all of his opponents, obviously, because every time he does something like that, he goes over there and talks to them and you know, he pays his respects. Uh, the main event, uh, Shannon Young and Jessica Borg, I, I, I recall, I, I'm not surprised that her, uh, if her jaw did get broken because you can hear me in commentation during the fight. I, I, I mentioned that the Jessica Borg keeps keeps opening her mouth. Like, I don't know if she's just opening her, like, is she just trying to breathe if her nose is broken? I don't know what's going on, but she kept her mouth open, and if she if she had it open when she got punched, then there's a really good chance that it got broke. But, uh, I mean, I don't think that fight was completely one-sided. I mean, Jessica Borg threw her shots and connected just as well. It was a good fight. It really was. It went three rounds, you know, well past the uh, halfway mark of the third round, so we almost got to see some championship rounds there. Um, uh, I, 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 I was sitting up, I was sitting next to the cage, but I heard the whole the whole Coliseum just started laughing uh, one or two times throughout the duration of this fight, but I couldn't hear them because I had those earmuffs on my head. Uh, is that what? Is that kind of what was going on while we had the crowd giggling and stuff and laughing? Is that what was? I mean, what was going on? Is that uh, you know? 
Yeah, same stuff that was coming out of his mouth. Uh, you know, they were laughing uh, at what he was saying. Uh, they were laughing at one of the comments that he kept saying about uh, Shanna. Um, yeah, one just—I I don't think they were laughing because it was funny. They were laughing at just the, the you know, the stupidity of, of the fact that he's yelling that out during a fight instead of coaching his fighter, uh, which was my biggest problem too. Was everything that he was going on about? Um, you know, it was. Dude, your your fighter's in a fight. Why don't you concentrate on coaching her right now instead of worrying about everything else or these other comments that you're spitting out? Um, you know, it may have been funny to the average you know person in the crowd. I didn't find it funny, uh, but yeah, uh, just derogatory statements towards Shanna. Well, changing directions there. Uh, you, you y'all mentioned that does she has she reached one twenty five before multiple times or what? I, I don't know. Shanna. Uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, did you ask about 125? Yeah. Yeah, Shan is generally a 125, 35, and Borg is normally 35, 45. Okay, I was wondering, yeah, because I didn't know what she waited for the last last time we were in Knoxville or whatnot. But, yeah, 125, I wouldn't doubt it if she got the call from the UFC here sooner. Got to, you know, be the next, on the next Ultimate Fighter Contender show, you know. We will see for sure. I, I definitely think that she, uh, you know, has the talent and uh, and the record, you know. So I'm I'm hopeful that she gets that call here soon. That wraps up our uh, coverage of Valor uh, 54. It was an awesome night of fights. Congratulations to everyone that stepped in the cage. We're getting ready for Valor 55 next week, and we'll be right back to Picks Panel next week for that, guys. So, uh, Jeb, I appreciate you sitting in with us. We'll talk to you next week, my man. I'm going to go ahead and let you go, and we will dive into some interviews. All right, up first on the line, we have got one half of the co-main event for Valor 55. It goes down next weekend. Uh, it goes down on February the 1st at uh, Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's going to be going for that vacant Valor lightweight strap. And those belts just came in a couple days ago, and they are nice. Uh, I got Joseph Long on the line. How's it going, Joseph? Man, it's going good. Uh, just got done cleaning up the gym. I had a good night of sparring. Feeling ready and time to eat. <laughs> right on. Well, Joseph is undefeated so far in his MMA career. Uh, he's uh, also uh, got several accolades, uh, a Valor champion in uh, in kickboxing, as well as a national champion uh, in, in kickboxing. Uh, you, you're taking on a tough guy here in, in Joe in Joe Bradley, who's also undefeated out of a good camp, X3. You're coming out of American Killer Bees there in Cleveland under David Robbins. Uh, talk a little bit about this matchup, man. It's, uh, you know, that, that 155 strap, something you've had your eye on here before you turn pro. Uh, you've got a tough guy in front of you. Somebody's O's got to go. Um, I'm excited for it. I like X3. They make great strikers. They make good fighters. Um, I fought them once before, and that's where my one and all losses come from. So I'm really excited to fight them and to redeem myself for it. Uh, Joe, I've watched his fights. He's good. Uh, he's good and powerful on his feet, and his grappling's real good. He catches submissions if you leave him there. So um, we've been working everywhere. We've been pushing hard. Um, I feel like no matter where it goes, I'll be able to stay in control. Now, uh, you know, uh, you were just in the corner for uh, your teammates' fights. You had two teammates fight this past weekend at Valor 54, the Coliseum. Talk a little bit about that. You know, uh, what, what was that experience like? And uh, I'm sure it's got you pumped up to get in on that next uh, big Coliseum show. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to see my uh, my teammates going pro. Their, uh, their pro fights are doing real good for themselves. Uh, 
it's a different experience being in the corner for it. I'm uh, I'm learning a lot from it, and we uh, now that they've went pro, we've been training fives. So a uh, three rounds, uh, three minute for three rounds ain't gonna be uh, uh, nothing but a thing for me. Right on. Now, Greg, uh, you, you know Joseph pretty well. You guys, I'm sure, have cross-trained together some. Uh, you never fought Joe Bradley, but he's surely a guy I'm sure that, you, that you've kept on your radar. You know, you've come up to the 155 class yourself. It's probably a guy I would think that you would uh, have imagined yourself possibly being paired up with. What are your thoughts on this contest and anything you got for Joseph? I like the matchup. Uh, I like it a lot, actually. And uh, I want to ask Joseph a question. You, you were only a national champion, right? You never won the world, did you? No, no, I've, I won the world in 2018. I'm a world, IKF world. Uh, so you are a world champion. Champion, yes. So you're a world champion too. I, yeah. I wanted to add that in on the statistics over there with Tim because I thought he missed that one right there. Uh, I appreciate but, uh, that. Pretty, yeah, man, I got you. So what's your uh, as far as as far as your weight goes? How is that? Does you vary? You were talking about eating a minute ago. Uh, how does that? How does that fluctuate a lot? You're still young. You're still a young fighter. I mean, I know. Um, it's not really yeah when it when it comes down to it and I, I hammer down and I stay focused for the fight the weight ain't a problem I can get down to 65 pretty easy the rest is dieting and a little bit of water cut um, for this one I've been doing a lot of running I know cardio is going to be a big key factor for this fight um, I'm already down to um, between 163 and 165 so I ain't too worried about weight um I think it's going to be a, a good little war. So, you know, uh, uh, go ahead, Greg. Well, I was going to rewind it back to his last fight with Chase Winder, and uh, that was your last fight, correct? Uh, my last MMA fight, yes. Yeah, your last MMA fight was Chase Winder. And you, uh, you, yeah. be, you was that was a second-round submission or first round? It was second-round submission by Kamora. Second round submission, yeah. You know, he, he just recently went pro over the weekend and had a win over Roy Sanders, right? And uh, uh, which, which makes yeah, me wonder. Yeah, he looked really um, good. He did look good, and it makes me wonder uh, your transition. Uh, I don't want to count my chickens before the hatch, but uh, what are your what are your future thoughts on uh, making that pro transition? I know you want to, you know, want to jump the gun and look over look over an opponent. Um, well, me, I, yeah, going pro is a, a definitely a future dream. It was a dream. Now it's a goal. It's in reach. But I can't sign the paper till my coach, David, you know, says I'm ready. Um, ever since I started, he's told me I have to get 35 before I could go. After this one, it will be uh, 15. So I'm halfway there. Probably by the end of uh, 19, the way he makes me fight. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, it's it's always better to be prepared for it than go too early, man. But I definitely think you've yeah, been doing the right things and taking taking on a progressively here. tougher competition. That's um that's definitely the plan here, David. Uh, he never throws me in there with no pushover. He always pushes me to uh, the harder and harder guys. The big step up was uh, Chase Winder. He was, he you know he's been in there for years. He has that experience. Now we're going with um, X3, where they've they've been on a winning streak. All their fighters keep coming out, keep winning. Um, this is a probably I'm really like to say this is going to be my toughest fight yet, and I'm I just can't wait. I really can't wait to see how it goes. We're excited to see how it goes, my uh, ourselves, man. It's going to be the co-main event next weekend at Valor 55. Before I let you go, I'm going to let you uh, get some shout-outs where they're due. Any any love you want to give uh, sponsors, training partners, all that good stuff. You know how to do it. 
Man, much love to David Robbins and uh, Billy Swanson, of course. They're always in here pushing me, uh, making me uh, take the next big step. The rest of the AKB team, they're, they ain't no uh, pushovers either. They're always in here making me move, making me sweat, making me put in the work. My family, they all support me, uh, follow me around, buy the tickets, come watch me fight. So it's much love for all of them. And um, that's really it. I ain't got no sponsors, but if anybody knows any, I'm looking for them. Send them my way. <laughs> Once again, this has been lightweight contender Joseph Long getting ready to put that undefeated streak on the line next weekend, the co-main event of Valor 55, going for that lightweight championship. Best of luck, Joseph. We appreciate the time. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. All right, up next on the line, we've got one half of the main event next weekend at Valor 55. He's going to be going for the vacant Valor uh, welterweight strap. And uh, like I said before, when I was talking to Joseph Long, those belts just came in, and they are pretty. Uh, and uh, we've got Trevor Peak on the line. Man, Trevor, how's it going? It's going great, man. My heart's starting to pump right now. Just thinking about them belts. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost time, man. It's almost time, and you're going to be main eventing against a guy that you that you know well, Trevor. Uh, yeah, Trevor, you're going to be taking on Tevin uh, Brown. Uh, I, I, I get tongue tied trying to say Trevor Peak and Tevin Brown for some reason, but yeah, uh, Trevor, you're taking on Tevin Brown, and it's a rematch of uh, a fight that was in the running for the fight of the year last year. It was great, uh, great fight, uh, absolute war. Had the crowd at the shed on their feet. And and it was really close. A lot of people thought you did enough to win that fight. So, uh, you know, you've come out, you've gotten some wins since then, earned your uh, spot back up here uh, to go for that strap uh, against uh, a really tough guy in Tevin Brown. Uh, before we get to that, uh, you're coming off a couple wins. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on since last we spoke to you. Oh, man, I wanted to start off by thanking you and Mr. Turner for, you know, giving me the opportunity to fight for the belt in the main event. I think it's super cool of you guys and yeah, man, I've been I've been pretty busy since me and Tevin last fought. You know, um, whenever we met in the cage last time, I had only uh, I'd only trained for like a month and a half with um, John Haskew and Jiu-Jitsu, and I hadn't ever worked with a striking coach. And you know, since then, I've been training with Jeff Powell, and man, he's him and John both got me. They've got me. Um, I've got a lot more arsenal in my you know weapons, but and Chad Finnerty, he's got my wrestling on point, and just I train with. Killers like Sam McAlpin and Devin Davis, Corey Perigo, um, just the rest of the team, man. Uh, I'm feeling confident about it. Yeah, you're, you've got, uh, like I said, a familiar face in front of you. And Tevin Brown, last time he was able to get some well-timed uh, takedowns, I guess, would probably be the best way to describe the, the you know, how he edged you out. Uh, I'm assuming you've really been re uh, working on that wrestling there, obviously, with a good wrestling coach uh, in Chad Finnerty. Uh, you kind of know what you're looking at this time. Uh, is that safe to say that uh, wrestling has been a, a focal point in uh, going into this one? Obviously, you're known to be a heavy hitter. You've got knockout power, great chin uh durable uh great motor uh just essentially uh avoiding those takedowns i would i would imagine has got to be uh, first uh in for, uh, foremost on your mind yes sir i've been been going over and going over and going over man just just uh really really working on the technique to defend them i mean that's that's been one of the biggest things i've been focusing on and and like i said my striking's um it's improved i mean tremendously so I look. I, I think I'm gonna be surprised, man. I look for it to be a different fight. Um, uh, I don't think it's gonna go to the judges this time. You know, one way or the other. I, I feel like Tevin's gonna come forward, and I'm gonna come forward, and you know, whatever happens, happens. But I mean, I'm just. 
I got a lot more to work with this time, so I'm looking forward to showing case, showcasing some of my skills that I've been really, really just <laughs> grinding them out, man. Of course, you got some teammates on this card. Devin Davis on the card. Uh, well, we just lost the other teammate. Brandon Williams was, was supposed to be on the card, and we just lost him today. But Devin Davis on the card with you. Uh, what's it been like getting him ready for his debut? And I'm sure it's a lot more fun being able to kind of prepare and go through the whole process with a teammate. Oh man, he's a he's a stud. He's gonna he's gonna come in there and surprise y'all too. He's a he's a big guy. He's got heavy hands. Good wrestler. His jujitsu game's good. I mean, he's a. He's, he's going to put on a show for y'all, and it, he's been he's been a real good look for me too, because you know he's he's a little taller and he's he's good at shooting and all that. So I mean, I'm looking forward to y'all watching him. You know, you and you and uh, Devin, you know, y'all are two strapping dudes. I you know I don't, we saw you were at the Cotton Eye Joe fight, and he was there as well, I believe. And at the time, I don't guess he'd started you know heavily into camp and cutting down. And I mean, this is a he's a big dude, you know. <laughs> I was like, man, I saw him at the Col- he was at the Coliseum here uh, for the show this past uh, Saturday, and definitely his uh, slim down there. Uh, Greg, you you uh, you're familiar with both these guys. You fought Trevor. You've been around uh, when. Tevin's been fighting. I'm sure you saw him in the corner of Dylan D'Angelo this past weekend. Uh, talk a little bit about your thoughts on this fight and any anything you got for Trevor. Uh, hey, Trevor. What's up, man? What's going I on, got, buddy? You doing all right, man? Hey, I, yeah, I'm all right. I got a few questions for you, though. I've, uh, we actually went over one question. I was going to speak of your strategy. You've already fought him once. Uh, and like you said, you were basically, I don't want to say you were coming off the couch for that fight, but you were uh, getting one foot out the door, right, with a shoe on. So, but at the time, you didn't have the arsenal that you that you have now. You didn't have the uh, confidence that you have now, I'm certain of. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I mean, now you're the AFC welterweight champion now. So, uh, I, uh, this, this this is for the welterweight, the Valor. Is this for the Valor title? Yes, this is for the Valor welterweight title. All right, good deal. All right, well, we're going to have it because it's so Tevin. I mean, the last time you guys fought, it was a grueling, it was a grueling fight. And uh, I, I would, I, I'm, I'm not being biased here just because I fought you, but I, I, before me and you ever fought, I was uh, I was pushed to say myself that you won that last fight. But uh, I, and I think uh, since you have fought Tevin, I think that you've gained a fan base around Knoxville. I think you've gained a fan base around the Chattanooga area, and I think you've gained a little fan base in Kentucky since then. So you've got a fan base in your building, and you're on your way. I'm curious to know, and uh, like I asked Joseph Long earlier, I'm not asking to count your chickens before the hatch or, or anything, but are you looking to make that pro transition, or you want to stay and defend a title if you win it from Tevin? Uh, you know, man, I don't – I don't really want to look too far ahead, you know. Like, I just, I really want to get this fight and, you know, do my best on it. Because at this time in my life, you know, this this fight's all that matters. You know what I mean? But no, so you're not. You're planning your goals. You you got short term goals. You're going for the you're going for the belt right now, and you'll go from there, right? Yeah, man. I mean, I've got a long term goal. You know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, go to the UFC. Hopefully, you know, maybe. God willing, maybe be world champion one of these days. But as far as like, yeah, man, I'm all about trying to set some short goals and everything. And I really want to, you know, really want to focus on this fight. And then we'll see what we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, well, there's your pro. There's your pro. That's my answer. You do want to make the pro transition, but uh, you know, if, uh, if our listeners don't really know your uh, your background or anything, you got a pretty amazing story, and you gave a really good testimony after I after me and you battled down there in uh, Rainsville. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to watch you fight, man. Uh, how's your weight going? How's everything going? 
Oh man, I'm I'm there, brother. I'm just fine tuning everything, man. I'm just ready to ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. This last time you guys fought, has anything in your life changed? I mean, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I know you've done some some personal life changes yourself, but as far as the fight game is, since you've last fought him, has anything else changed? Oh man, your friends at and you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've made some. I've made some great friends, you know, and just everything's changed, man. I've got, <clears throat> I've got an actual schedule I go by, you know, workout regimen. I'm, I'm dieting right now. I mean, I'm living, <clears throat> I'm living the fighter's lifestyle. I guess you'd say it's, it's pretty cool having coaches and actually being able, being taught technique and stuff, you know, instead of as you kind of said, like you're somewhat you're not really coming off the couch, but in a sense, it, you know, it kind of was in a way just. It's 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 cool, man. It's it's a it's definitely a sacrifice. I don't think a lot of people realize what you really sacrifice trying to live this life and how much time, like away from loved ones and you know other activities, you don't get to partake in. It's a uh, it's definitely a sacrifice, man. But no, I live and breathe it, and I, I love it, and I look forward to you know showcase, like I said, showcasing some of my skills for you guys. Well, we're excited to see it, my man. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a hell of a fight. Uh, that's for sure. Make sure you're tuned in next uh, Saturday night if you can't be there live to see this one. I promise it's gonna deliver. One half of the main event. It is Trevor Pete. Before I let you go, Trevor, I'm gonna let you get some shout outs for you. Any sponsors, training partners, any love you want to get? Oh yeah, man. I want to shout out to Blackline Studios and all my training partners, Jeff Powell, Chad Finnerty, um, John Haskew, all my coaches. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Sam Mountain Fitness and um, Case and Durham at uh, Dade County Chiropractic, man. Uh, just really appreciate you guys and all my fans coming, man. I really appreciate the drive and just everybody. Thank you, uh, Tim and Mr. Turner again for, for uh, giving me this opportunity, man. I promise I'll let you guys down. Best of luck, Trevor. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Once again, this has been Trevor Peak. He'll be one half of the main event next week at Valor 55. Thanks so much for the time, Trevor. We'll see you next week. We'll see you guys. Finally up next on the line, we have got Brandon McMahon, the golden boy himself, joins us on the Valor Hour. He's getting ready to make his Bellator debut this weekend on Bellator, Bellator 214. He's all the way out in Los Angeles right now getting ready to weigh in. Uh, to, I guess uh, I guess you're weighing in tomorrow. No, I guess, you don't weigh until Friday. You're out there early, huh? Friday morning. Friday morning. So you got a little bit of time. I don't feel as bad about disturbing you then. So I was thinking for some reason in my mind you had to wait at like noon tomorrow. <laughs> nah, man. It's, it's actually 9 o'clock Friday morning, man. So today's been pretty much a uh, relaxed day. Like I just got to sit here and watch Tennessee finish that basketball game. So ah, Very nice. Brandon, of course, out of North Knox Ishinru, where he's one of the uh, owner instructors there uh, here in Knoxville, a guy that we're very familiar with in this area. Getting ready to, uh, like I said, make his Bellator debut. will be on the main card this weekend on Paramount Network. He's taking on uh, a guy that Bellator is really high on. This uh, His name is Adele Altamini. Um, I believe he is a, uh, a veteran uh, and has seen a, he's got a crazy story. I know that they they they're uh, they went into a lot of uh, detail about that i want to say on the hawaii shows when they signed him so uh he's seven and five you know you guys have uh near near rec your records are very close to the same i would venture to say you fought the tougher competition up, in, up until this point though uh you know talk a little bit about the matchup uh before we get into the whole bellator experience so let's talk a bit about this actual matchup with adele, adele altamini i know you know basically uh you're you're usually uh at one third 
135. You're normally a, a bantamweight taking this fight on short notice. A whole lot of hoops to jump through to be able to license in California. And this one will be at 145. So at least you don't have the, the weight cut to worry about. Is that something you think that may weigh in your favor? And just uh, overall thoughts on the, on how you match up with Adele. Well, yeah, like you said, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You know, I mean, ideally, I'm a bantamweight. I've had all of it one fight at bantamweight. But with that being said, you know, I mean, if Bellator called me tomorrow and said, hey, will you fight, you know, Max Holloway um, or, you know, the UFC, you know, or if Bellator called me and Bellator said, hey, do you want to fight, you know, Pitbull, I'm, you know, you're going to do it, right? So um, ideally, you know, everybody would like to have a full camp you know, be able to put the time in, make sure, you know, the cardio is where it needs to be and everything. But um, with getting the call short notice, it was, you know, it's impossible to turn down. So I've pretty much been, you know, trying to stay on top of things, you know, as much as I can for the past two weeks. And, I mean, it has it's definitely been a roller coaster. You know, I mean, I've been getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and working out before I go work my normal job every day and then going and, you know, training at night after that. Um, and then, you know, all the medicals and stuff that I've got to get done. It's been, it's been absolutely nonstop, literally all the way up until today. Today has pretty much been my, my relaxed day. Um, I've, you know, got up this morning, walked to the beach. It's nice out here in Los Angeles. The weather's incredible. Not a cloud in the sky. Um, you know, I came back. I got, still got a couple pounds to lose. So, um, as far as the weight goes, my weight's never too bad. I never let myself get too far out of shape um so i've got a couple more pounds to go so that shouldn't be an issue i'll be able to get that off tomorrow um and as far as uh my opponent goes i just i don't look too much into it man to be honest with you from opponent to opponent i don't ever myself train for a specific person you know because i've been doing this for so long once you get in there it all becomes instincts anyway so things plans always go out the window. So when you go in there, you get locked in the cage. You just got to do what you, you know, or me, myself, what I've done my entire life and just let the instincts take over. And, you know, if you follow Brandon, you know that he is a guy that, you know, his calling card is he, go, he goes to the hometown guy's uh, place. He fights in the in the damn main event and he, and he wins uh, more often than not. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'd venture to say you've, you've got a little bit tougher strength of schedule than El Tamini does coming into this thing. Uh, you know, it's it, you're no stranger to, to being the guy coming in, uh, you know, as the as the opponent, if you will. So uh, really good opportunity here. I know to, uh, to to be on the televised card. Uh, you, you were out there cornering Corey Browning. We got him on the Bellator card, uh, and, he, and he knocked off Baby Slice. Uh, he'll be rolling back out for Bellator here in a couple weeks against Aaron Chalmers. So he's kind of, you know, hopefully making his way as a celebrity killer of sorts. But uh, you, you've been through the Bellator process as a corner man, essentially. Now you're there as a fighter. I'm sure you can testify that it's uh, it's all first rate, huh? Absolutely first rate, man. The way they take care of you stuff out here is incredible. You know, obviously the places they put you up at and everybody is you know I mean you get here and anything you need I mean the guys are out there for you You know everybody's giving you their phone numbers hey let me you know let me know if you need anything you need this you need that you know and and plus too you know like I was talking to my guys today you know I mean a big part of this MMA and a great part of the MMA game is you know is the traveling you know getting to go places that you know you might never go otherwise I mean like in a couple weeks just going to you know, going to England with Corey, you know, I mean, I may go my entire life or I may have went my entire life with, you know, without going to England, but because of, because we do what we do, we've got the opportunity 
to do that. No, you're right. hundred percent, man. You got to stay ready. You guys are uh, always willing to answer the call when the opportunity arises. Uh, you know, it's never a perfect situation for anyone, you know, it, whether it be injuries, whether it be timing, whether it be uh, whatever, you know, Corey had plenty of reasons not to take this fight in England with some of the things he'd already committed to, but you know, he made the decision, uh, you know, uh, to, to go with this because uh, you know, your time at this level is, is fleeting. Yeah, absolutely. We, and me and him actually, you know, we talked about that. You know, he came in and and talked to us about it. And I told him, I said, man, that's a that's a tough decision, you know, because he already had the prior obligations. I, you know, but I told him, I said, but man, I, it's Bellator, you know. I said, so if you can work it out, you know, ultimately it's your decision, you know, to make. But I just, I told him, I said, you know, if, if he can possibly work it out with his prior obligations, then I mean, it's it's again the same way as me. It's just an opportunity is almost impossible to pass up. So and you know, and it's, it's not just in, in a way. It's not just Bellator. These, uh, you know, these are uh, these are main card spots. You know, these aren't undercard spots Absolutely. for for fifteen hundred and fifteen hundred. You know, this is uh, these are main card spots. It opens up the opportunity to really get your name out there and and a win. Uh, as Corey just showed uh, in the Kimbo Baby Slice fight, that a win can really uh, set you on your way, man. If he goes out there and knocks off Chalmers, you knock off El Chimini, who, who's you know the guy that, that's getting pushed here who knows what that opens up uh and and we're talking about paydays that are you know what you what you guys could potentially make regionally in in a year in in one fight absolutely that's absolutely right so talk about this card uh you know this is one of the tent pole events as they call it it's a big card man then you're this you're on the undercard of fedor and bader yeah you know that's you know have you have you have you seen a lot of of, of names out there you know aaron pico's on this jack swagger if you if you follow wwe he's making his debut uh ricky bandejas and juan archuleta that's a, a hell of a fight and that's actually at your actual weight class that's uh, right after you are you excited to be on this card with all these studs or are you just kind of uh, focused zoned in on on, uh, on your own fight, I'm, I, it's got to be easier said than done to tune that stuff out. Here's a uh, here's the thing with me, man. I, I consider myself a weirdo, and I always have because the best part of my game probably probably been the mental aspect. So I've always looked at it the same way. Um, it's I'm doing the same thing every fight that I have. It's just a different setting. So um, and I've never been one to get starstruck or anything, but with that being said, man, it is, I mean, it is awesome. You know, just as, just even going as a corner man, you know, to get there and to be in the same room with these guys, you know, that you've been watching on TV for years, you know, and now it comes to this point where I get out here and I mean, hell, I'm on the same fighting on the same card as Fedor Emilianenko. I mean, one of the, you know, one of the most legendary fighters of all time, period, in any weight class. Now, as far as, um, seeing these guys and everything now actually i got in our flight got delayed a little bit yesterday so we got in a little bit later so i mean as soon as i got here i mean it was we were on it i had you know photo shoots and some media stuff i had to do and everything but um so i've not really seen anybody except my opponent he just so happened to be in the room when i went in there but i've not seen anybody else yet today um because again like i said today i didn't have any obligations today now tomorrow we'll all come together we got some more media and stuff we have to do tomorrow so we'll all be together tomorrow but so far it's uh and it's just pretty much just been really relaxed really cool you know really easy going out here 
Well, we're definitely rooting for you, man. I'm excited to see how this one shakes out. I know, uh, you know, anybody that sees you fight, you're an action fighter. You don't you don't look for easy uh, lay and pray type wins. You're looking for the finish. You're looking to press the action. So I'm really pumped to see uh, how you shine under those lights, man. Before I let you go, I'm going to let you give some shout outs where they do. Any sponsors, training partners, any love you want to give, I'll let you have it. Cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I want to thank everybody at the gym. I'm a training partners, you know, um, my corner man, you know, the, you know, my old man, obviously, for, you know, taking care of the business side of this for me. You know, he always helps out more than anybody knows. Um, you know, and I've got several, you know, people that have helped, you know, sponsor me and sponsor a trip to get cornermen out here and stuff. You know, um, the Collins boys, Kevin Dock Realty, um, uh, Dr. C for supporting us. Um, you know, obviously, friends and family back home and everybody that's going to be watching on TV. I know. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people ask me all the time, you know, hey, uh, man, when are you going to fight in town? When are you going to fight in town so I can see you fight, you know, and everything? Well, I might not be in town, but <laughs> if people have television, they're going to be able to watch the fight. So. <laughs> no yeah, doubt. That's, that's pretty cool there, so. Very good, man. We're excited for you, Brandon. We'll be rooting for you, uh, as always, uh, supporting our East Tennessee uh, boys when they get a chance on the big show. Uh, we'll be uh, tuning in. It's going down uh, Friday night when this podcast drops. It'll be tomorrow. Uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday. I keep I always think of Bellator's on Fridays, but uh, it's Saturday. It's Saturday night, January 26th on Paramount Network. Brandon will be kicking off the main card against Adele Altamini. He'll be shocked the world. Thanks so much for the time, Brandon. Best of luck. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. All right, now it's time to recap UFC on ESPN Plus One. It was the first show uh, uh, on the ESPN family and networks for the UFC. And uh, sounds like it's a pretty good night of fights. To tell you the, the honest truth, I've, I've not got to watch a lot of this. This went down the same night as Valor. I'm hopeful that you guys are a little more clued in than me. I know I, I know what the gist of what happened, but I didn't get to just sit down and watch the fight uh, just thoroughly. Uh, of course, it's started off on uh, Fight Pass. Uh, we have Chance Ringcounter, who uh, everybody out there, Greg, uh, r- recommended a play on, and he was a plus money. That was an underdog play. He gets a submission by rear naked choke over Kyle Stewart, climbs to 13-3. Jeff Neal wins a unanimous decision over Bilal Muhammad, gets to 11-2. And, and then uh, Dennis Bermudez uh, gets a unanimous decision over Tay Edwards. A lot of people, that was a fight that people were having a hard time with. A lot of people were high on Tay Edwards. But Bermudez's experience with out and I want to say he may have retired after that um, your thoughts uh, Greg on the uh, prelims for five pass anything stand out you uh, you gave a good tip on old chance ring counter uh, well like you said I didn't get a chance to uh, watch absolutely any of these spots uh, and I hate it because uh, I was at the Valor you know I was over there with commentating at the Valor fights but uh, man you met up afterwards and uh, I, ch- I checked my DraftKings and um Damn, like, I thought I was doing good. I had like almost 500 points. And I was like, man, I must I must be hitting 10 grand. Like I said, like I was bullshitting on the podcast. And then I looked and I was like, the winner got like almost 800. I was like, damn, that's high. <laughs> and I looked and I saw where who won and who lost and everything. And, uh, but this first one didn't surprise me none with, uh, with Chance going to the ground. Well, yeah, I was just thinking that uh, Chance was the more round, well-rounded fighter other than Kyle Stewart. Uh, knockout artist just hammering down being aggressive but uh like i said i got to see a little bit of that one but the other two i didn't get to see but the, uh uh the uh the dennis Ramirez fight was uh 
was, I didn't really get to see it, but uh, these are the ones I need to go back and look at. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was, I've been ever since Saturday night. I've been so busy with every like so much crap. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, Justin, anything stand out to you uh, on these prelims? Uh, you're right, Dennis Bermudez did retire um, after this one. He looked pretty good. I mean, Tay Edwards caught him with a couple shots, but all around, you know, um, uh, you know, pretty pretty dominant performance. Um, he won 30-26 on all three judges' scorecards. Um, and then uh, Jeff Neal looked really good, at, you know, just kind of a, a stand-up back-and-forth fight with uh, Bilal Muhammad, and, and Jeff Neal got the best of it there. Yeah, no doubt. Alonzo Minifield gets a uh, first-round TKO over Vinicius Morea. And Joanne Calderwood, unanimous decision over uh, Ariana Lipsky, and she moves to 13-3. and three. Donald Cowboy Cerrone with the upset uh, victory as far as the odds makers go, but he gets a head kick, uh, a knockdown, and then finishes it off with punches second round over Alexander Hernandez, uh, who falls to 10-2. and two. Uh, Let's see. Let's go to Justin first. Your thoughts on uh, on these uh, – this. Uh, four fights Cowboy looked great it's it's good to see him kind of having a resurgence I guess he never really fell off he just kind of went through a little you know once he went up to 170 he looked real good in the beginning and um, then he, he you know stumbled a couple times but now being back at 55 um, I mean he, he just kind of he just walked right through Hernandez basically you know took everything he had and and gave him way more than he could handle um so now him and uh, Connor are going back and forth. So I think that'd be a real fun fight. Um, Joanne looked amazing. You know, she, a lot of people, she was the underdog going into this fight. Um, I won some, won some money on her, actually. And then she had a, a very dominant decision win over Lipsky. Um, and then Corey Sandhagen, uh, you know, kind of make, make quick work of, of, the, of the UFC debut in that one. Greg, anybody stand out to you uh, with the win here? Is it a surprise to you that you know? Were you you were on the Cerrone bandwagon, weren't you? No, were you not? I was, no, I wasn't on the Cerrone bandwagon. I actually picked against him on the on the panel, but in real life, I didn't. I because <laughs> I was sitting there thinking. Uh, if I, by some chance I got an invitation up uh, with Marky Fourfingers trying to just. Uh, Make me look like an asshole. Take me up there to meet Donald. I didn't want to go up there to apologize about the podcast. I wanted to go up there to tell him thank you for winning me money. Yeah. Either way, if I was going, I talked to Cerrone. So I, that's what I was looking for. Of course, the main card uh, starts off with Glover Teixeira getting an arm triangle over Carl Roberson uh, about halfway through the first round. He goes to 28 and 7. He needed that win. Uh, Paige Van Zandt gets an arm bar pretty quickly, uh, a little under two minutes. Uh, I don't know. It was second round. Um, about a minute 50, it says, into round two. She gets an arm bar over Rachel Ostovich. And then Joseph Benavidez gets a unanimous decision win over Dustin Ortiz and Benavidez. Uh, uh, gets to twenty seven and five. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on this trio? Anything? Uh, anything stick out? Uh, Paige Van Zant impressed me in that spot right there, pulling off the armbar submission. Um, I'm glad she's coming back on the scene right now. Uh, Benavidez, I thought that he would win. Uh, uh, I want to touch base and, and Glover Teixeira. He actually surprised me too on that fight. I'm proud. I'm happy for him. I'm happy because uh, likely we're talking about his career and as far as where it goes from his, this fight, I'm still up in the air. 
he's 20, he was, you know, 26 and seven or 27 and seven fighting a guy that was, you know, only had one loss on his record and they handed him a second one. Uh, I want to touch base back on that Cerrone, uh, Donald Cerrone. And, uh, I didn't, for our uh, podcast, I didn't get to see all the, uh, all the shit talking that Hernandez was doing the Cerrone. Um, which makes me wonder what kind of, um, cause I mean, if Donald Cerrone and, McGregor fight. There's going to be a lot, a lot of money put in that fight as far as promotion and that. We that could be possibly, we could possibly see the. Uh, well, really, you could be to see the retirement of Donald Cerrone, or you could see the new 165 champion right there. I don't know how they're going to work that out with Ben Askren going in and everything, and another card coming up. But uh, I don't really like. I don't know if I really like his his his. Um, his mannerism towards uh, towards Conor McGregor after the fight, asking Conor McGregor for the fight. I mean, uh, we were talking a minute ago about Cerrone being on a downhill slope, but, I mean, if we look at the numbers, uh, he is the most winningest fighter in the UFC. He's got the most – he's he's up there. I don't know why he's got to ask Conor McGregor to fight when Conor McGregor's coming off of two losses right now. Uh, I don't know why Donald Cerrone has to ask for that fight. I don't know why – he thinks he's living in Conor McGregor's world right now because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Donald Cerrone is the, is the, is, should be the face of the USC. He's got the, uh, all right, I'm done talking about Donald Cerrone and McGregor. I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> Justin, your thoughts. Um, Glover Teixeira and Paige were, were actually both losing those fights. Uh, Paige lost the first round and, and then came back and, and got the arm bar and, and Glover was getting beat up pretty good in the first round and somehow came back, but big wins for both of them. Um, Joseph Benavidez, you know, that was, a, that was a close fight. Dustin Ortiz is a tough dude, um, and he's going to give it back as, as good as he gets it. But it was good to see Joey B get a get a win and, you know, set up a possibility for him to get another title shot now that, uh, that Mighty Moss is out of the picture. Yeah, 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 no doubt. I agree. Uh, of course, the uh, feature bout on this evening, uh, Gregor Gillespie, probably the, I guess he's the heaviest favorite on the card, one of the heaviest favorites on the card. He gets a, a second round, ground and pound TKO over Yancey Medeiros, moves to 13-0, and 0, undefeated at 155 pounds. Is this, a, is this a contender, Greg? Gregor Gillespie, yes. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't. I mean, he's walking all over people. How do you, how do you not give him a shot right now? Uh, I mean... Is he gonna is he gonna stay at 155 permanently? What's he gonna do there? We, we I mean he's undefeated. I mean he's got 13 professional wins. At what point in time do you do you wait till he's 26 and 0 like Khabib and give him a chance? Or I mean he's been putting he's he's been gaining a big fan base throughout the duration of the time he's been fighting. So I mean I think him and I don't know who I don't know who he fights right now. I'd like to let's see why not I mean why not Donald Cerrone? Why not? Why not him fight Conor McGregor? That's not a good matchup for Conor McGregor, but it did tell Gregor versus Gregor. I mean, McGregor versus Gregor, I don't know how, how well that would sell, unfortunately. I don't know if the Gillespie's got enough of a, enough steam still. I think he's going to have to grab I mean, a great record, and he's he's got the talent, but I just don't know if he can move the move the numbers just yet. Justin, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he did good, but – it, you know, it's time for a step up in competition. I think um, I'm just trying to think of you know who would be a good matchup for him. I think he's ranked like 15th or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I quint- the the thing is, I Quintus, you know, I think I Quintus too far up there, and um, there's a storyline to put with I Quintus moving forward. You know, you don't want to put him in there with with somebody that has the potential to beat him. That's that is ranked 15th right now. You know, I think you need to give him somebody, you know, right around number 10, 9, 10, 11, um, you know, and see what happens. Give him somebody that you know that's that has good wrestling defense and, and some solid striking and just see, you know, how he hangs with with uh, with that. Um, Yancey Medeiros, you know, has got decent striking, but, you know, his ground game is not that good. His takedown defense is, is not top-notch or anything. So um, it'd, be, it'd be good to see what he, what he can do with, you know, a more round, well-rounded fighter. We had a bit of a, I guess you would call it an upset, a big upset, I guess, on the sports books. Uh, it was a disqualification win due to an illegal knee. Alan Crowder moves to 10 and 3, big underdog over the ever polarizing Greg Hardy, who falls to 3 and 1 after, uh, after he's disqualified for an illegal knee to the head. Uh, thoughts on this, Justin? <laughs> I was happy about it. I want some money. <laughs> Good payback on Crowder. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It was, you know, disappointed to see a fight like that as the co-main event on a big show like this. That was, it was obviously not UFC level, um, you know, fighting. I don't know. Both, both these guys are just super sloppy. Greg Hardy, obviously, you know, if, if it wasn't for his um, his domestic violence history, he wouldn't be here. You know, he could be the best you know football player in his position, and then switch over to MMA. He's not going to be in the co-main event at three and zero. You know, in, in his professional career, but because there's you know so much controversy behind him, that gives him the spotlight. So I'm not huge on that. Um, I would have liked to see him get knocked out, but you know, a loss is a loss, I guess. So. I guess he'll be back from this. Um, I hope they give him somebody, you know, legit. Though. I mean, I, you know, to show him, you know, that, you know, being three and zero as a, I think he, I don't think he had any amateur fights either. I think he's just three and zero. He's been in the sport for like a year and a half, and um, you know, showing the difference between between that and and what the UFC actually produces. Greg, what did you think? Um. Uh, I, I I usually want to respect all fighters just for the fact that they step in the cage and you know they throw down and they, they actually go forward with it. Uh, but like like Justin was saying, as far as all the controversy surrounding Greg Hardy right now and with the fight to end like that, I kind of don't. I mean, I, I, like I said, I respect all fighters, but I really just I'm not really a fan of Greg Hardy right now. Yeah, there's some people you know, that uh, there's some people that. Uh, just have a knack for uh, a shit storm, a shit storm kind of following wherever they go. It's the kind of an interesting way for things to end because you know it it, it does leave him a, an an end to, to come back essentially. And I would like to see him take on somebody pretty tough. I think I saw Justin Frazier said he wanted to fight him, and that is a fight they probably would get him. Uh, so uh, interested to see how that goes. Main event, man, uh, this one I I don't think a lot of people would have called it going this way. Henry Cejudo, thirty two seconds. Uh, TKO over TJ Dillashaw defends that flyweight title. TJ wasn't happy. Uh, he was. He he said at the press conference he thought it was stopped too early. Said he wouldn't call himself the champ champ if he had won like that. So uh, immediately calling for a rematch. But I don't think it was an early stoppage. He's dropped all times. Cejudo just gets better and better. I think. Uh, man, a very impressive win, Greg. And you were telling people to go that way. 
yeah, I told people to go with the Cejudo. Not only uh, I just thought that the weight cut for uh, Dillashaw was going to be kind of uh, kind of draining for him, and he he did he did talk a lot of uh, a lot of smack up the uh, talk. There's another statistic out there. He loses every fifth spot, and uh, I didn't throw that out there before him, but uh, it's kind of crazy how that. I mean, it's just a number and it's just a statistic, but it's just weird how it falls like that. And uh, like I said on the last cast, uh, Cejudo is an Olympic champion at a young age, did a lot of stuff that a lot of people couldn't do, and he's still continuing to do a lot of stuff that people can't do. And he's proven a lot of people wrong, and I just – I'm anxious to see where Dana White goes with the uh, with the 125 class now because if you have that that dominant performance over it just it gives it gives life to the 125 pound division. But where does that leave your 165 coming in? I mean, supposedly 125 was supposed to be one of the most boringest and unsellingest weight classes out there, but he goes out there and dominates the 135 pound the champion who you know dominated Cody Garbrandt twice, like. I mean, but and I also I don't. Uh, it, it's controversial whether the stoppage was right or not. Whether they let it go on too long. I mean, because when he fought Cody Garbrandt, he they didn't stop it, and he ended up winning that fight. But uh, I mean, what do y'all think about the stoppage? I don't think it was a bad stoppage at all. I, like I said, he was dropped a couple times. Uh, you know, I, I it sucks it went down like that, but I don't think it was a bad stoppage. What do you think, Justin? No, I think the stoppage was, was legit. Uh, the very last punch that Henry caught him with was a, it was the left kind of as he was trying to get up, and his neck snapped back so hard it looked like he had whiplash from it. I mean, you know, it was it was a clean shot, and um, you know it, he was just going to take more damage from there. There was no reason to to let it keep going. I don't think anybody you know would have ever predicted it to to go like that i thought henry was gonna win um but i didn't didn't expect him to knock him out like that for sure um you know tj said that the weight cut didn't bother him um he said that you know he wants to do he wants to do the rematch right now at 125 but uh, i think they have to do you know i think henry has to go up and take tj's belt now it, it sucks for everybody else in both divisions but you know just throw some extra money at him and uh, for a big number one contender fight and everybody will be happy. Uh, and then, then you know, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's We've had four, um, you know, four big super fights in the last couple of years and, and in, in all of those, the smaller guys won. So um, it'd be interesting to see what would happen at, at 35. Yeah, that's really about the only way you can do it. It's the only way you could make it even really sellable to Henry, I would think. You know, I mean, why, why, why do that again? You know, he's he put his strap up. Now TJ's got to put his strap up. No doubt. Overall, sounds like it was a, a pretty exciting card, though. Uh, the good, a good first entry into ESPN uh, territory. You know, why didn't they just put a Dillashaw's title on the line too? I mean, and then that way, if Cejudo would have won, like he did, they could have just still he could have been the champ, champ. But I mean, what, what? Like well, I guess I guess just because it wasn't technically at that weight class would be how it would be spun. But yeah, I'm with you. Why I'd be, I'd, yeah, right. if it were if it were up to me, I'd be like, yeah, y'all both put your belts up and let's do this. <laughs> right. I get a 130 weight class. Hell, change the damn weight class as we can. All right. Well, that gets us to our. What's that? Yeah, I'd be for the 135 pound guys if they had to touch 30. So go ahead. Let's get this. 
That brings us to our final segment of the show. Last week we had uh, we had our picks panel on, so we didn't do a, our official tally, if you will. So we're starting a new year here uh, with a new bankroll, and we've got to turn it around uh, at some point. Justin has nothing to be ashamed. Justin's done pretty good. I've been hit and miss. Greg's been atrocious. So Greg's really got to Greg's really got to turn it around here. We don't have a lot of things to play though, because all we really have this week is Bellator. We're both we're all three starting with a stack of 100 credits, 100 units if you will um, and so far we've only got odds on three Bellator fights um, we do not have odds yet on the Brandon McMahon Adele Altamini fight I expect the odds to be pretty long for Altamini I think Brandon will be a pretty heavy underdog and I will put a degenerate play on Brandon just because I know he's game as hell and he's he's used to being the, the, the B side and used to being the opponent he's not going to be phased by this and I think uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's fought a lot better competition than Eltamini. So uh, at whatever the odds come out, as long as they're as long as he's you know plus three hundred or better, which I anticipate being, I'll make a play there. Uh, we got three. Uh, no, whoa! They just put out a line on this one. Uh, I didn't send it to you guys, but there's a line now on the Jake Hager JW Kaiser fight. Jake Hager, of course, is the former Jack Swagger. Uh, from WWE. He was an All-American wrestler, though, I think, at Oklahoma State, I want to say. or uh, He is a legitimate uh, college wrestling background. And now, you know, uh, he's making his MMA debut. It'll be the first time he's fought. He's fighting an 0-1 guy named J.W. Kaiser. Uh, Hager is only minus 400 with J.W. Kaiser plus 300. Uh, I would probably make a play on Jake Hager here minus 400 to tell you the truth. I don't think he'll lose his debut here. I think this is all uh, the proper matchup, if you will, for him to get off on the proper footing. And minus 400 actually feels like a deal. So I'm going to go 20 units on Jake Hager to win five units uh, minus 400. Uh, Would you want to make a play on this one, Greg? Uh, yeah, I'd like to make a play on old Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger, uh, yeah. Old Jack Swagger. That's a. I mean, yeah, he's still a really good college wrestler. I mean, he he went to the the WWE, the professional wrestling scene for a little while, and I was uh, he's actually entertaining for the most part. Um, I don't know if I want to put twenty units on him right now because how old is he now? He's only 30, he's, 30. He is a little long in the tooth. I guess he's he's got to be mid thirties to late thirties. Okay, so we got oh Jack. I can tell you. Hold I, on. I, I if you give me just a moment, I will uh, I will tell you. Here, uh, let me let me pull him up. Uh, he is uh, looks like uh, thirty six. This this motherfucker is six seven. Yeah, he's the monster. Mm-hmm. He was a monster in, in the, on the show too. He's always huge dude. I mean, that's. I mean, you, you don't you don't go to the WWE. You're not. They are freak athletes doing things that little people do, like taking hits and bumps all the time. I want to go with Jack Swagger too. I don't want to put twenty on him. Um, let's just go ten. Let's go ten, 10 units from Greg would win two and a half units. Uh, just for uh, inside information here, I get not inside by any means, it's readily available. Uh, J.W. Kaiser is forty himself. He's older than Swagger, and he is uh, he's one and one actually. They had him listed as zero and one, but he's one and one as a pro. And it, but as an amateur, 
he was uh let's see looks like is it he's got a lot of amateur fights man i can't even calculate it that fast but it looks like he's got every bit of six amateur losses probably 10 amateur he's like 10 and six amateurs been fighting since 2010 but uh hasn't really fought anybody like this i don't think so uh, uh sorry so greg i'm uh 10 units on uh, jack swagger to win two and a half yep justin oh uh, no i'm not i'm not gonna touch this i mean i think it's obviously set up for jack swagger to win this guy's uh, like 40 pounds lighter seven inches shorter um you know four years older uh but he's been fighting for a long time i mean uh you know, the experience, you know, it, it could always play a factor. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll am let you guys play with that one. <laughs> Me and Greg, we, uh, we we put some some of our bankroll on that one. Moving on to the more uh, known factors, uh, we've got a good Bantamweight fight here. We've got Juan Archuleta taking on Ricky Bandejas. And, uh, man, that's a really good fight. Ricky Bandejas just knocked off uh, James Gallagher. So he, he kind of spoiled the party there uh, uh, the, the last time Gallagher fought. And he is 11-1. and one. He's the number one ranked guy in New Jersey. He's taking on Juan Archuleta, who is another top prospect. He's 21-1. and one. Two great records here. Uh, Juan Archuleta is the California boy, so he's the he's the, the hometown guy, I guess. And he's the one that's been, uh, you know, kind of meet, brought up, I guess, through Bellator. Uh, and he is the favorite. Archuleta is minus 215. Ricky Bandeja is coming back at plus. Plus 165. Justin, any play here? Man, this is a tough one. Um, I actually want to take, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bendejas actually for uh, 10 units. Justin goes 10 units on Bandejas plus 165. I like that. Uh, I like the, I like the, uh, I like the, the value on it. Uh, just because I think this is a really close fight, and I'm a, I'm going to mirror you, and I'm I'm not going to go ten, but I'm going to go five units uh, on Ricky Bandejas myself plus one sixty five. Greg, uh, is there an under over on that yet? Did you say? No, no, there's no total on anything except for the main event thus far. Okay, I'm sitting here still looking. I'm probably going to follow you guys and do the same thing because I was sitting here looking at their uh, all their stats right here in front of me. I'll probably take a. Uh, Ricky too, just because of uh, the reason I'm doing that is because if he's coming out of New Jersey and he's ranked first out of New Jersey, New Jersey as a whole state has some of the best wrestling. You know, nothing taken, nothing went from Pennsylvania or New York or, but California is also one of the big is the biggest state. You know, so I mean, they they have they you know that as a whole of the state too has really good wrestling, but uh, New Jersey's got great wrestling out of their state. I'm gonna take Ricky. He's 11 and one. He's going up. It's Juwan, 21 and 1. But you said he's plus 155 on the money? Plus 165. Plus 165? Yep. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to put 10 units on Ricky, too. 10 units. Uh, all of us in agreement. Ricky Bandai also could value at plus 165. Co-main event sees Aaron Pico. Uh, get into his his deepest action as well. Uh, you know, Aaron Pico is going to be taking on Henry Corrales here, featherweight co-main event. And Aaron 
He goes four and one. Henry Corrales is 16 and three. Uh, like I said, definitely the deepest waters that, uh, that Pico has been in to date. Corrales has won four in a row. He hasn't lost in nearly three years. Coming off a win over Aiden Maine, Georgie Carahanian, Noah Lahat. Uh, you know, he's out there getting wins. So this is a tough one for Pico, but Pico's still a big favorite. Uh, Pico coming into this one as of right now is minus 585 with Henry Corrales coming back at plus 385. Greg, any, uh, any play here? I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say Pico was again? Pico is minus five eighty five. Corrales is plus three eighty five. Plus three eighty five for Henry Corrales. That's pretty appealing to jump. Want to jump on Henry Corrales with all that, all that value to him. But um, there was a big hop train for Aaron Pico coming into his career, and uh, he did talk a lot of shit, you know, coming up through just for his first fight, and uh, he ended up getting, you know, like, you know, really TKO submitted, whatever you want to call it, but. Uh, I followed his uh, amateur wrestling career too, growing up, and he also had a little boxing going on. So Henry Corrales, I just I don't know if I want to make a play on this one. And every time I don't make a play on Aaron Pico, it's because everybody's talking about his next competition and how tough it's going to be, how good that guy is, and how Aaron Pico's young career. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it just seems like every time you put anybody up against him, he seems to want to just drop him with a with a with a, a body shot. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go with Pico. I'm gonna go with Pico just because of every time I don't bet on him, he wins. I want to see if, uh, see if, uh, if I do and he and he loses, and then I'll just never bet again because that's just how my luck goes. So, how many units on Pico minus five eighty five? How many? Yeah. Five eighty five. Five eighty five. Ah, just. I want to parlay him. I don't want to put a single bet with him on that. I want to parlay him. Okay. You want to wait for the main event? Let's go ahead and parlay him. With Swagger. Swagger. And I had a question. Christopher Reyes. That name sounds really familiar. Do we know him? No. Okay. Well, I thought this sounds really familiar. I just feel like I know him. He's the first bout on the on the card. Um, all right. Yeah, no, I didn't know gonna, him. Okay, well, we're going to do that then. We're going to um, uh, Jack Swagger and Aaron Pico, we're going to parlay them both together for... It's minus 216. Well, let's go... Oh, minus 215. 215? Well, let's go 21 then. 21 units on that. 21 parlay. units, minus 215 uh, on a Swagger Pico uh, parlay. And uh, I can I can get it uh, I, I can get behind that actually minus two fifteen sounds pretty pretty good I think the longer the fight goes uh, the better chance Corrales has got he's got he's got to make it uh you know he's got to stay in his space and he will but uh, but Pico may just knock him out I don't know we'll see I, I think Pico is a rightful favorite I can't get myself behind either side I think it's just a little too steep Justin man these odds are insane. Corrales is, has been finished by Daniel Strauss and, you know, Patricio. And he, he has a split decision loss to Emmanuel Sanchez. You know, those are three back-to-back losses, but those are, you know, three legit, you know, top guys in Bellator. And for Aaron Pico to be to be uh, this big of a favorite, you know, Aaron Pico's only chance is to knock him out. He's never been knocked out. He's got two submission losses. You know, both by guillotine, um, but to to much much higher level competition than than Aaron Pico, 
Um, I'm going to put uh, 10 units on Henry Corrales in this one. Justin Watson goes with 10 units at plus 385 uh, on Henry Corrales. Uh, with the upset, man, that could really pay dividends uh, if he if he manages to pull it off. I'm uh, man, I'm I'm, I'm really uh, skeptical either way. There, it's it's a tough one. Uh, main event. This one this one is uh, this is the finals, I guess, of the of the whole big deal uh, of the of the of the tournament. And it's Ryan Bader. He's minus three twenty, and he's against the Emperor Fedor Emelianenko. Emilianico comes back at plus 260. So Ryan Bader's minus 320. Fedor is plus 260. Uh, we do have a, uh, a bit of a total. It's not a, a full total here. It's not an actual, you know, a, a two and a half or one and a half. But there is the proposition that the fight uh, does or does not go the distance. The fight does not go the dis- the fight the the, the the fight does not go the distance. Uh, is minus 600. The fight goes the distance. Is plus 400. Uh, Justin. This is a tough one, man. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's something something about it being Bellator and, and Scott Coker just screams that, uh, you know, there may be – the fix may be in for me. I don't know. I'm going to stay away from it. I, th- you know, I think that uh, Bader should, should easily be able to win. He should be able to take him down, hold him down, and beat him up there. Um, but – who knows? Uh, you know, if Bader comes in too hard like he did against Machida, he may get he may get blasted. So uh, I'm going to stay away from that one. I can't blame you. I want to be in action on it, but I can't. I think I've got enough good value on what I've already played. Greg, you gonna you gonna bite? Yeah. What's Ron Bader's odds again? Minus what? He is uh, minus three. He is uh, minus three twenty, and Bader's plus two sixty. Jesus Christ. Well, just like Justin said, I think you're going to have Bader come in and just wrestle him on the ground, take him down, and probably end up finishing him from there. But, again, I mean, Fedor could just knock Bader out with one shot. I mean, it could be that quick. But, honestly, no. Well, just because it's Fedor, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to leave this one alone, too. Keep what I got. (laughs) All of us stay off of that. To recap, uh, myself and Greg both really like Jack Swagger. Greg likes some parlay with Pico heavily. Uh, we all like Ricky Bandai House plus money. And then uh, Justin Dippers on uh, Henry Corrales taking a shot at him at plus 385. We'll see how it all shakes out uh, next week. And next week we also have our Valor 55 preview. We'll have a picks panel for that. And, um, man, I don't. I guess there's UFC next Saturday, too. So I guess it'll be a, it'll be a long episode, guys. Uh, make some coffee. Uh, appreciate you guys as always. Thanks as always to all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe uh, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Share this thing. Let's keep the audience growing. Uh, this has been episode 99. Until uh, next week. It's hey, man. 100. Can I interrupt you? Yeah, please do. Throw something out there. I think this might be, you know, the first uh, podcast to, to say this, but Vada just came out and said that uh, John Jones failed this drug test with them. Um, with with trace amounts of uh, whatever that steroids was. Oh wow! Breaking news. This has just happened. That's. The, yeah. I mean, I've I've been watching everything all day. It's the first thing I've seen about it. I know they passed the USADA stuff, but he had to 
to uh, enter Vada as well as part of getting this fight. So Vada, one of the Vada's tests, came back and said that that he uh, there was trace amounts in it, uh, but he, he had already passed the USADA test. So I'm not sure what what's going to happen about it. Hopefully they don't do anything about it, but we'll see. Yeah, they're, they're saying they're not going to like right now. That's what the that's what they're determined. They're saying there's not going to be a penalty or nothing right now. So you'd already heard about it. I heard about it earlier, but uh, I didn't say anything about it because that I was kind of upset that they weren't going to do anything about it. I'm like, how many times you just like? I mean, this is you. You just get a free pass. You get to go you know, all the time. I mean, it's just bothering me. <laughs> I was like kind of set up with the whole way that I mean, if you're everybody, if you, if you get one person cheat, why not just let everybody cheat? Let everybody be the best they can be and better, and that way we can see who the real man is. Like I don't like the whole, I don't like all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You got, I mean, there's got to be some kind of uh, you know repercussion for your actions. I mean, if you win a title fair and square, you want to be able to feel good about it. You don't want to say, well, well, what could I have done without this? What could I have done without that? I mean. And well, all these other guys are saying, "What could I have done had he not been on that?" You know, it's not really fair to everybody when you're cheating. But I mean, you know, it's going to happen, and everybody's always done it, and they're going to keep doing it until they get caught. And if you're John Jones, you can get away with it. Yeah, I mean, there is that, but there are tons of people who are, you know, loaded with steroids and and get the shit beat out of them all the time by guys who aren't. And you know, the steroids aren't the factor. So, you know, I, I don't know. Gus wasn't too upset about it. He wasn't worried about it, whether he was on steroids or not. So, and it was, it, it did fall into what they said would happen based on their analysis of why he failed the last one. Um, you know, it was, it was again the same thing, like some tiny, tiny amount that you know could have been for the same reason, and he passed ones in between. So, it, you know, it kind of makes sense, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess. We definitely will. That'll be something that we can uh, definitely touch base on next week when we return for episode 100. We'll see you guys then. Thanks again, guys. Uh, uh, Jeff, uh, thanks to Jeff Hobbs. Thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to Greg Hopkins and Justin Watson. Uh, We'll see you all next week. is an MMA report with Jason Floyd quick fix on Radio Influence. Obviously, the main event did not go the way uh, that that we thought uh, with Henry Cejudo winning in 32 seconds. But one of my kind of you know, we can talk about the stoppage here in a second. But one of my general thoughts is is you know, Dana White still does not want to give the the answer to the question of whether the flyweight division is going away or not, which I think we pretty much know the answer to the, to the question anyway. Dana just doesn't want to tell us the answer. But after seeing what we have seen now with Henry Cejudo in his last two fights beating arguably, you know, one of the greatest fighters in all time in Demetrius Johnson, going out there, you know, ha- and, and beating T.J. Dillashaw, the champion, a weight class above him. How, how do you not give Henry Cejudo this opportunity to prove whether or not he can be a star and get people interested in the 125-pound division? It's kind of a great story. And I, and I also wonder if it's a story the UFC wants to tell because – on social media, and it's not like Dana White is talking to the UFC Twitter guy, but 
they released a promo about like Joseph Benavides after his win over Dustin Ortiz, almost begging for them to, to keep the division alive. And I'm like, this is kind of a good story to tell. A rally the troops to save the flyweight class is like a story that I think would really resonate with people. I feel like the next fight to do is Cejudo versus Benavides, but I think the ball should be in Henry Cejudo's court in terms of what he does next. It's hard to, you know, the win over TJ Dillashaw honestly really devalues the Bantamweight title. It's hard, I think, to turn around with TJ Dillashaw and have him fight anybody other than Henry Cejudo because it feels like the best 135-pounder is probably Henry Cejudo. So that's a tough one, but after watching the UFC card, Jason, the fight I want to see is Benavidez versus Cejudo at 125. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.